0: "'these sounds were all they should have been, "'betokening an unchanged serenity of forest land. "'He was glad, for he had expected to hear "'the clip-clop of white men's horses, "'which to hear up in those fastnesses was hateful to him. "'He and the Indian were friends. "'That fierce foe had no enmity toward the lone hunter. "'But there hid somewhere in the forest a gang of bad men, sheep thieves, whom Dale did not want to meet. "'As he started out upon the slope,' A sudden flaring of the afterglow of sunset flooded down from Old Baldy, filling the valley with lights and shadows, yellow and blue, like the radiance of the sky. The pools and the curves of the brook shone darkly bright. Dale's gaze swept up and down the valley, and then tried to pierce the black shadows across the brook where the wall of spruce stood up, its beard and spike crest against the pale clouds. The wind began to moan in the trees, and there was a feeling of rain in the air. "'Dale, striking a trail, turned his back to the fading afterglow "'and strode down the valley. "'With night at hand and a rainstorm brewing, "'he did not head for his own camp, some miles distant, "'but directed his steps toward an old log cabin. "'When he reached it, darkness had almost set in. "'He approached with caution. "'This cabin, like the few others scattered in the valleys, "'might harbor Indians or a bear or a panther. "'Nothing, however, appeared to be there.' Then Dale studied the clouds driving across the sky, and he felt the cool dampness of a fine misty rain on his face. It would rain off and on during the night, whereupon he entered the cabin. And the next moment he heard quick hoofbeats of trotting horses. Peering out, he saw dim moving forms in the darkness, quite close at hand. They had approached against the wind so that the sound had been deadened. Five horses with riders, Dale made out, saw them loom close. Then he heard rough voices. Quickly he turned to feel in the dark, for a ladder he knew led to a loft, and finding it, he quickly mounted, taking care not to make a noise with his rifle, and lay down upon the floor of brush and poles. Scarcely had he done so, when heavy steps, with accompaniment of clinking spurs, passed through the door below into the cabin. "'Wall Beasley, are you here?' queried a loud voice. There was no reply. The man below growled under his breath, and again the spurs jingled. Dollars Beasley ain't here yet,' he called, "'but the horses under the shed. "'We'll wait.' "'Wait, huh?' came a harsh reply. "'Maybe all night, and we got nothing to eat.' "'Shut up, Mose. "'Reckon you're no good for anything but eating. "'Put them hosses away, and some of you rustle Firewood in here.' "'Low muttered curses, then mingled with dull thuds of hoofs "'and strain of leather, and heaves of tired horses. "'Another shuffling, clinking footstep entered the cabin.' "'Snake, it'd been sense to fetch a pack along,' drawled this newcomer. Reckon so, Jim, but we didn't, and what's the use hollering? "'Beasley won't keep us waiting long.' Dale, lying still and prone, felt a slow start in all his blood, a thrilling wave. That deep-voiced man below was Snake Anson, the worst and most dangerous character of the region, and the others, undoubtedly, composed his gang, long notorious in that sparsely settled country.' "'and the Beasley mentioned he was one of the two biggest ranchers and sheep racers of the White Mountain Ranges. "'What was the meaning of a rendezvous between Snake Anson and Beasley? "'Milt Dale answered that question to Beasley's discredit, "'and many strange matters pertaining to sheep and herders, "'always a mystery to the little village of Pine, now became as clear as daylight. "'Other men entered the cabin. "'It ain't gonna rain much,' said one. "'Then came a crash of wood thrown to the ground.' "'Jim, here's a chunk of pine log, dry as punk,' said another. Rustlings and slow footsteps and then heavy thuds attested to the probability that Jim was knocking the end of a log upon the ground to split off a corner whereby a handful of dry splinters could be procured. Snake, lend me your pipe, and I'll have a fire and a jiffy.' "'Wall, I want my tobacco, and I ain't caring about no fire,' replied Snake.' "'Reckon you're the meanest cuss in these woods,' drawled Jim. Sharp click of steel on Flint, many times, and then a sound of hard blowing and sputtering told of Jim's efforts to start a fire. Presently the pitchy blackness of the cabin changed. There came a little crackling of wood, and the rustle of flame, and then a steady growing roar. As it chanced, Dale lay face down upon the floor of the loft, and right near his eyes there were cracks between the boughs.' When the fire blazed up, he was fairly well able to see the men below. The only one he had ever seen was Jim Wilson, who had been well known at Pine before Snake Anson had ever been heard of. Jim was the best of a bad lot, and he had friends among the honest people. It was rumored that he and Snake did not pull well together. Fire feels good," said the burly Mose, who appeared as broad as he was black visaged. Fall sure a comin'. Now, if only we had some grub. "'Mose, there's a hunk of deer meat in my saddlebag, and if you get it, you can have half spoke up another voice. "'Mose shuffled out with alacrity. "'In the firelight, Snake Anson's face looked lean and serpent-like, his eyes glittered, "'and his long neck and all his long length carried out the analogy of his name. "'Snake, what's this here deal with Beasley?' inquired Jim. "'Rockin' you'll learn when I do,' replied the leader." He appeared tired and thoughtful. "'Ain't we done away with enough of them poor greaser herders for nothing?' queried the youngest of the gang, a boy in years, whose hard, bitter lips and hungry eyes somehow set him apart from his comrades. "'You're dead right, Bert, and that's my stand,' replied the man who had sent Mose out. "'Snake, snow'll be flying round these woods before long,' said Jim Wilson. "'Are we going to winter down in the Tonto Basin or over on the Gila?' Reckon we'll do some tall ridin' before we strike south, replied Snake gruffly. At the juncture, Mose returned. Mose, I heard a house comin' up the trail, he said. Snake rose and stood at the door, listening. Outside the wind moaned fitfully, and scattering raindrops pattered upon the cabin. "Uh Aha exclaimed Snake in relief. Silence ensued then for a moment, at the end of which interval Dale heard a rapid clip-clop on the rocky trail outside. The men below shuffled uneasily, but none of them spoke. The fire cracked cheerily. Snake Anson stepped back from before the door with an action that expressed both doubt and caution. The trotting horse had halted out there somewhere. Ho oh, there, inside, called a voice from the darkness. Ho oh, yourself, replied Anson. That's you, Snake? "'Quickly followed the query. so, returned Anson, showing himself. "'The newcomer entered. "'He was a large man wearing a slicker that shone wet in the firelight. "'His sombrero, pulled well down, shadowed his face "'so that the upper half of his features might as well have been masked. "'He had a black drooping mustache and a chin like a rock. "'A potential force, matured and powerful, seemed to be wrapped in his movements. "'Hello, Snake. Hello, Wilson,' he said. "'I've backed out on the other deal. "'Sent for you on... on another little matter. "'Particular private.' "'Here he indicated with a significant gesture "'that Snake's men were to leave the cabin. "'Uh-huh,' ejaculated Anson dubiously. "'Then he turned abruptly. "'Mose, you and Shady and Bert go wait outside. ain't the deal I expected, and you can saddle the hosses.' "'The three members of the gang filed out,' "'all glancing keenly at the stranger who had moved back into the shadow. "'All right now, Beasley,' said Anson low-voiced. "'What's your game? Jim here is in on my deals.' "'Then Beasley came forward to the fire, stretching his hands to the blaze. "'Nothing to do with sheep,' replied he. "'Wall, I reckon not,' assented the other, "'and say, whatever your game is, "'I ain't liking the way you kept me waiting and ridin' around.' "'We waited near all day at Big Spring. "'Then that greaser rode up and sent us here. "'We're a long way from camp with no grub and no blankets.' "'I won't keep you long,' said Beasley, "'but even if I did, you'd not mind. "'When I tell you this deal concerns Al Auchincloss, "'the man who made an outlaw of you.' "'Anson's sudden action then seemed a leap of his whole frame. "'Wilson, likewise, bent forward eagerly. "'Beasley glanced at the door,' "'Then began to whisper. "'Old Algenclaw's is on his last legs. "'He's gone to croak. "'He's sent back to Missouri for a niece, a young girl, "'and he means to leave his ranches and sheep, all his stock to her. "'Seems he has no one else, them ranches and all them sheep and hosses. "'You know me and Al were partners in sheep-raising for years. "'He swore I cheated him and he threw me out. "'And all these years I've been swearing he did me dirt.' owed me sheep and money. I've got as many friends in pine and all the way down the trail as Alchenclos has, and, Snake, see here. He paused to draw a deep breath, and his big hands trembled over the blaze. Anson leaned forward like a serpent ready to strike, and Jim Wilson was as tense with his divination of the plot at hand. See here, panted Beasley, the girl's due to arrive at Magdalena on the 16th. That's a week from tomorrow. She'll take the stage to Snowdrop, where some of Cross's men will meet her with a team. Uh-huh, grunted Anson as Beasley halted again. And what of all that? She must not never get as far as Snowdrop. You want me to hold up the stage and get the girl? Exactly. Well, and what then? Make off with her. She disappears. That's your affair. I'll press my claims on Alchacloss, hound him, and be ready when he croaks to take over his property. Then the girl can come back for all I care. You and Wilson fix up the deal between you. If you have to let the gang in on it, don't give them any hunch as to who would want. This'll make you a rich stake. And providing, when it's paid, you strike for new territory. That might be wise, muttered Snake Anson. Beasley... The weak point in your game is the uncertainty of life. Old Owl is tough. He may fool you. Ouching Claus is a dying man, declared Beasley, with such positiveness that it could not be doubted. Well, he sure wasn't plumb hearty when I last seen him. Beasley, in case I play your game, how am I to know that girl? Her name's Helen Rayner, replied Beasley eagerly. She's twenty years old. "'All of them Alginclosses was handsome, and they say she's the handsomest.' "'Uh-huh. Beasley, this is sure a bigger deal, and one I ain't fancyin'. "'But I never doubted your word. Come on, and talk out. What's in it for me?' "'Don't let anyone in on this. You two can hold up the stage. Why, it was never held up. "'But you want a mask. How about ten thousand sheep, or what they bring at Phoenix and Gold?' Jim Wilson whistled low. And leave for new territory, repeated Snake Anson under his breath. You've said it. Wall, I ain't fancying the girl end of this deal, but you can count on me. September 16th at Magdalena, and her name's Helen, and she's handsome. Yes, my herders will begin driving south in about two weeks. Later, if the weather holds good, send me word by one of them, and I'll meet you. "'Beasley spread his hands once more over the blaze, "'pulled on his gloves and pulled down his sombrero, "'and with an abrupt word of parting, strode out into the night. "'Jim, what do you make of him?' queried Snake Anson. Pard, he's got us big two ways for Sunday,' replied Wilson. Uh "'Oh, well, let's get back to camp.' "'And he led the way out. "'Low voices drifted into the cabin.' Then came snorts of horses and striking hoofs, and after that a steady trot, gradually ceasing. Once more the moan of wind and soft patter of rain filled the forest stillness. Chapter two Milt Dale quietly sat up to gaze with thoughtful eyes into the gloom. He was thirty years old. As a boy of fourteen, he had run off from his school and home in Iowa, and, joining a wagon train of pioneers, he was one of the first to see log cabins built on the slopes of the White Mountains. But he had not taken kindly to farming or sheep-raising or monotonous home toil, and for twelve years he had lived in the forest with only infrequent visits to Pine and Showdown and Snowdrop. This wandering forest life of his did not indicate that he did not care for the villagers, for he did care, and he was welcome everywhere, but that he loved wildlife and solitude and beauty with the primitive instinctive force of a savage. And on this night he had stumbled upon a dark plot against the only one of all the honest white people in that region whom he could not call a friend. That man Beasley, he soliloquized, Beasley, in cahoots with Snake Anson. Well, he was right. Al Auchincloss is on his last legs. Poor old man. When I tell him, he'll never believe me, that's sure. Discovery of the plot meant to Dale that he must hurry down to Pine. A girl, Helen Rayner, twenty years old, he mused, Beasley wants her made off with. That means worse than killed. Dale accepted facts of life with that equanimity and fatality acquired by one long versed in the cruel annals of forest lore. Bad men worked their evil, just as savage wolves relayed a deer. He had shot wolves for that trick. With men, good or bad, he had not clashed. Old women and children appealed to him, but he had never had any interesting girls. The image, then, of this Helen Rayner came strangely